0: If you would also like to tap into the unlimited power of podcast guesting to expand your reach and to get new leads and clients, tap the link in the episode description and download the free profitable podcast guesting checklist collection. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Badass Wellness Coach Show for coaches, practitioners and wellness experts on a quest to become the rainmaker and the go-to expert in the field. I'm your host, Hoffman, and today I'm doing my happy rain dance because I have Justin McLintock, the owner of Feel Strong Fitness with me. Our topic today is Why Do Injuries Happen? And for us as wellness coaches, this is quite important because understanding why people get injured help us affect real change as well as get our clients on board for making difficult lifestyle adjustments. Justin, welcome to the Badass Wellness Coach Show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome having you, my friend. Would you please introduce yourself to my dear wellness besties?
1: Absolutely. So again, I'm Justin McClintock. I own Feel Strong Fitness and we do custom individual solutions for people. Uh, a lot of my work is finding the gap between fitness and the medical system and filling it in for people. I consistently run into people who are not being well served by these standard sort of in fitness institutions or standard medical institutions for a number of reasons. Maybe they've gotten hurt, they've had an injury, Uh, They're at the point where they don't really need a doctor or physical therapy anymore because they can live their day-to-day life. They can wash themselves, maybe navigate some stairs, feed themselves, but they can't live the active, fulfilling life they want to lead. And those same people typically at least don't feel welcome in a gym and often aren't very welcome in a gym and trainers don't want to work with them. Typically, your average personal trainer specializes in making fit people a little more fit rather than a lot of where I spend my time, which is taking people and transforming their lives in a really meaningful way.
0: Sounds so interesting. So interesting. Before we dive a little bit deeper into our topic, your favorite quote is, have a belief in yourself that is bigger than anyone's disbelief. I really love this by August Wilson. Tell me your backstory. Why do you love it so much?
1: Well, I actually had the pleasure to work with August Wilson for a summer so I got to hang out with him uh, and consider myself extremely lucky just to have dinner and, and stay up late drinking with August Wilson is uh, a pretty remarkable part of my life uh, and a lot of what he said he just speaks the way he writes which is also amazing like this magical poetry just happens to come out of his mouth on a very regular basis Um, he's just a lyrical person. So that really stuck with me and that idea of having incredibly audacious goals of believing that you're capable of far more than certainly than other people think you're capable of, and quite likely more than you maybe had pictured for yourself before is the only way through, right? It's that old, like aim at the stars. You might end up at the moon or whatever it was like go really big and we can reverse engineer the steps there to make that happen. And some of that progress is going to be amazing, which honestly is the same way I work solving people's problems. Like, Mm. yes, I understand you want to get out of knee pain. What's the real goal? And if we dig down, it might be, yeah, I I used to go on this hike every year with my friends and I haven't been for six years, but but that would be amazing. Okay, let's set that as the goal. Let's work toward that. And no, it's not going to happen next week. But let's set something big and audacious and exciting and meaningful and then that will honestly help that intrinsic motivation will help carry you forward.
0: That's so much insight in there and so much motivation as well. Let's get down into today's topic. I'm really very eager to get into this. And let's start with why do people get hurt?
1: Absolutely. The good news or maybe interesting news, and this topic tends to sort of blow people of minds, especially relatively new clients. This is a talk I have with people most of the time if I'm going to work with them. And that is that all injuries happen for the same reason, including the ones that just come out of nowhere. And it is always that your load exceeds your capacity in whatever way that is. Oftentimes when people come to me having been hurt, especially relatively active people, it will be well, I went for this run and my knee hurt, or I was deadlifting and I hurt my knee. I I did this thing, this one action, and that's, that's how I got hurt. So I'm never going to do that again, or I need to get better at running or whatever it is. Where well, when we break it down, what actually happened is the whole series of stresses they're carrying with them exceeded their capacity to manage that stress. And that's why they got injured that they blew over that capacity line and when I think of things that people carry around with them, it's their total load. So everyone is starting with some level of what I sometimes call anatomical dysfunction, right? If you sprained your ankle five times in high school, because you were a field athlete, that is going to change how your ankle is built a little bit, most likely. And people who have done this know that being injured is the most likely precursor to being injured, right? If you hurt, it is far more likely you're gonna hurt that again. So perhaps if you're that person I described, your ankle is a little bit different. Now there's nothing we can do to change that. Aside from like surgeries or going in and reshaping the bone, but certainly myself, there's nothing we're going to do to change the shape of your bone. Everyone's carrying around a little bit of that, you know, pre-existing condition dysfunction. On top of that, there's this big block. I think of this as like blocks or maybe pouring liquids from a cup to fill up the pitcher that is your capacity. The next thing people are carrying around is sleep, diet, and stress. And all of these can radically change. Right? A excellent night of sleep, really well managed diet, and really well managed stress, that number is very low. And you have all kinds of room still in your capacity. And I suspect this will resonate with most human beings. If you have a terrible night of sleep, if work is killing you, And you ate like garbage, maybe related to those other two. Work is so busy, you felt terrible, and your diet went to crap. You feel much, much worse. Your sleep diet stress load has gone way, way up. And you have a lot less room before we blow over that capacity line. The other stuff we can fill up. So we have pre-existing conditions, sleep diet stress. That's most of what, what people come in with. Any existing room is what we can do before we blow over that capacity. And this is where we put our needs and our wants. Some of this may be going to work. I have to go to work, most people have to go to work. It's not a thing you can avoid, but it's a thing you you need to do. And maybe it's living your active life, going for hikes, playing with your kids, going to the gym, being able to run, all those things you enjoy doing. And if we're stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking and that last little want exceeds your capacity, it may well be that you got hurt in the gym but it's not necessarily and often not at all the gym's fault or the exercise's fault. So if we can adjust your lifestyle, reduce that sleep, diet, stress load to start with, give you some and habits to modify and manage this with, then you can be an, as active as you want and really load up because you have so much room before you hit that capacity line. Does that make sense?
0: Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, it's that little, that little straw that broke the camel's back, um, that actually is the thing that that get us all hurt. Is there any way that you can prevent injury? Then,
1: so I actually say no. I don't believe injury can be prevented, but how we manage it and how we deal with it and how we recognize it can be really important. And I think. This might be really useful for your audience, both for themselves and for talking to clients of theirs. I use four terms when we're talking about, about pain and injury. And it's insult, irritation, pain, injury, in that order. Insult is subconscious stimuli we're taking in. Everyone's being insulted a little bit right now. Something isn't quite right. Is, it's not great, but you don't notice it. just subconsciously taking this in the moment it becomes conscious it's irritation if you shift a little bit in your chair you were being insulted that piece of tissue is being insulted my right hip in that example and i shift because now i'm feeling some irritation but irritation can also be really good it's discomfort but it may be good discomfort it may be bad discomfort right if anyone's ever had like a really hard workout or lifted weights gone for a, a strenuous run you feel challenged and maybe sore afterwards But you recognize that as probably useful. As long as it's not a site specific pain, you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm sore. Like I worked really hard. This is, you know, a good discomfort and we need that irritation to drive adaptation, getting better at something, including getting enough pain, including any kind of rehab protocol is going to require usually a significant amount of discomfort in order to make real progress. So irritation isn't bad, but it is when you recognize it, you can say, oh, well, this is an irritation and maybe this is intentional or maybe it's not intentional, but I'm gonna keep an eye on it. Pain is an emotional response to that irritation. Pain is entirely emotional. It is not an objective thing. And you can recognize this if you've ever seen like a little kid running around and going crazy and then they fall over. And a lot of times the first thing that they'll do is they'll they'll look to their parents, they'll look to who's in charge because they don't understand how to respond. Something just happened. They, they don't have any context for this, so they look up. And if people do that thing that we all do around little kids where you laugh and smile and make a joke and, oh, you're okay, then a lot of times it works because now they have some certainty. Oh, okay, that's this isn't a big deal. I can carry on with my life. I'll get up and run around. But if they catch you know mom or dad saying, oh, no, oh, no, are you okay? You, you fell really hard. Suddenly the waterworks come on. They're crying. They're upset because now they don't know if they're okay or they've been told they're not okay. So the exact same stimulus, the exact same situation, how you respond to it. Now, typically, if we, if we trip or skin our knees as grownups, we aren't likely to cry because we've been through this before. It's when a new irritation comes up that you haven't felt before, you're not sure of. That's when the pain can start to creep in, especially if you don't have any certainty about where this is going to go. Is this going to get worse? Uh, you know, if you used to have an injury, like oh, is this that injury coming back? Is is my back about to go out again? Is this is my knee gonna blow up and keep me from doing things? I don't know what's happening, so you process that as pain. Mm. And injury, injury is really a decision. Injury is I can't do this. You know, I will often if someone comes to me with a back injury, fairly common. Hey, I have a back injury. Oh, okay. Well, you're standing in front of me, so your back is functional. What's the I don't understand. You look like you have a back that's working. Oh, well, I when I bend over and try and pick up something really heavy, if I, I try and deadlift, like it hurts and I can't do it. Oh, okay. I understand. So we have a deadlifting injury, which we can work on and work backwards from that. But getting that low, I, the, the injury is the I can't. Yeah. I can't squat. I can't run. I can't sit up and sit down without assistance. I can't navigate the stairs. But that context of the insult, irritation, pain, injury... I found is an extremely useful way to talk to people about how they're feeling. And it lets them process those feelings and those emotions a little bit better to the degree that some people listening now may already feel better than they did when they started, because they can sort of put that through the filter and say, oh, right. So this is, I am a little sore, but I know what's going to happen. I have felt this kind of thing before, and I think it's going to lead to something better. Suddenly the pain starts to dissipate because it's so emotional.
0: Really very very interesting to get that perspective on it uh, and I think we can all re- relate to it. Uh, where we grew up we used to walk barefield uh, and it's savannah area so there's a lot of thorns um, and you know the older you get you know, later on it doesn't matter where if you if you step into a thorn it do- just didn't matter you just took it out uh, and I never thought about that <laughs> it is actually emotional. What's interesting for me is is that uh, if if you have a, a sort of a recurring injury, that like you said, let's say it's a, it's a deadlift injury, you will often get the advice uh, from people around you and from a trainer or whatever, and say, okay, take it easy for a time or or, or whatever. What's your take on
1: that, Justin? I. My short answer is I hate it. My long answer is a little more nuanced. Okay. Uh, take it easy is a fine response to acute injury, and I have rules I will talk with clients about. If you are doing an exercise, and let's say our pain scale is from one to ten, if you're doing an exercise and you start feeling some discomfort, and it's a four or less, keep going. Everything is fine. Maybe, maybe slow down slightly. Focus on it. You know, double check that your technique is really good. If I'm not standing there in front of you. Uh, because I will be correcting your technique if I'm in front of you, but four or below, we're gonna keep going. This is acceptable. This is that irritation driving adaptation. It's okay. If it suddenly pops above five or you're doing it and it's getting noticeably worse while you're doing it, that's a stop. Stop, please let me know. If I think it's appropriate, I will absolutely refer you out to uh, someone medical. That tends to be pretty short-term, like let's say 10 days or less right? This has been ongoing. It's getting worse. It's not going away after two or three days. All right. Then we're going to avoid anything that irritates it because we likely have an inflammation and you don't just want to keep beating up an inflammation is no use to anyone. If it's been, let's say nine or 10 days and nothing has changed, we need to be a lot more proactive with it now. Like your body has gone through its healing cycle. It's done what it can do so far. We likely have to do a little more work in order to solve this problem which probably involves some motion, some really intentional movement, maybe some nerve work, maybe some muscular work, maybe a combination of stretching, mobility, flexibility, etc. But we have to get in and get to work. Sitting on the couch at that point is not going to help and will likely make things worse.
0: Wow, well, that's actually better advice. Uh, and I like the nuance about it uh, because I think a lot of us always will tend to take it easy. <laughs> Even if it's just a one or a two, and I think the older you get, what's your take on, on the older you get? I'm in my sixties,
1: so I reject you, the idea that. Pardon me. I, 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 if I understand your question, is it that as you get older, you, there will be more and more pain, and you have access to fewer and fewer activities? That's the that's the popular belief. I reject it almost entirely outright now if you've been you know relatively i don't mean to just throw everything away but if you've been fairly um sedentary for 40 years we're not going to solve that in two months right and i can't promise you that we can undo 40 years of work but we can make things significantly better if you are already a relatively active individual and approach it intelligently, get some trainers and coaches around you, get a you know multidisciplinary healthcare team who you can go to when it's appropriate. You don't need a million people working on you all the time, but I think it's really important to have people to go to in the right circumstances. As a coach, I have a network of people that I refer to on a regular basis. I can't do everything. So I have doctors and physical therapists and orthopedists and massage people and acupuncturists and this whole team that in the right situation I refer people to them and they refer people to me and there's no money exchanged or anything. It's just the right and ethical thing to do. But there's no reason that getting older has to come along with uh, a significant amount of pain or a loss of activity. There will likely be, you know, that you may develop some arthritis. That is a natural part of aging. Like your bones are changing shape as you get older, as you put them through activity. It's not something to feel bad about. It's not a character flaw. You haven't done something wrong. It's just your bones slightly changing shape. However, having to deal with pain associated with that is not a requirement.
0: Cool. I love that answer. I love that answer. What, one last question on this before we move on to the, to the business side of what you're doing is, uh, if I'm hurt and I go to the doctor, is there any specific that I should ask?
1: That's a great question. Uh, Yes. And I will typically send clients in with a list of questions depending on what's going on. So doctors are, I love doctors. I'm married to a doctor. I sincerely love doctors. One, One more than most of the others, but I'm tight with doctors. However, they are not movement specialists and their job is to keep you alive and functioning in the world, not hiking, running, playing, swimming, doing all the things you love to do right? It's they're supposed to keep you alive. They do mm. medical care. What I do is not medical. So if you're going to go to a doctor and you've had some sort of activity that is limiting you or rather injury that is limiting you from activity, I will often give them some backup questions. Because what we don't want to hear is if you go in and say, oh, I hurt myself um, bench pressing. My shoulder really hurts. I was bench pressing. and um, Yeah. And it's it's been hurting for about two weeks now. The doctor will probably tell you to stop bench pressing. Maybe never bench press heavy again. And sometimes you will hear things like, you shouldn't lift over five pounds, or you shouldn't lift weight again, or you shouldn't do X, Y, or Z exercise. And if that's based on real study and introspection and giving someone a full assessment, I'm very open to it. And those cases absolutely exist. But more often than not, a doctor is trying to do no harm. They don't understand the full complexity of that, that load. We talked about that the patient brought in because doctors don't have mm-hmm. time for this in America, doctors are running on like 15 minute appointments. It is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You come in presents, they have, you know, 11, you know, two minutes to build rapport and 12 minutes after that to make a plan, diagnose you and get the, get you out the door. So then go to the next person. Who's also been waiting. Cause they're already a half hour behind It is a completely unfair system. Mm-hmm. Somewhat famously. So I will have people say, OK, you know, in this example, OK, I, I'm not supposed to weight lift anymore. I can't bench press. Um, is it OK if I if I get out of bed? Is it OK if I put both hands in and push myself to stand up? They say, yes. OK, well, that, in many ways, that's a modified bench press. So what exactly would you like me to not do? And maybe it's if it hurts, don't do it. I can live with that. Great. Bring that back. If it's don't lift over five pounds, you know, I'll ask them, does that mean I can't put my dishes away in my cabinet? And if the answer is yes, we have an emergency, and you need significant medical help, and we're definitely not going to be weightlifting anymore. But if the answer is no, 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 I don't mean that I just mean, you know, don't lift anything super heavy, don't go crazy, they're trying to put some some rails on people so they don't get hurt, hmm. and that they they don't do any harm, right, the do no harm aspect, the Hippocratic Oath of Doctors is really strong, but they aren't movement specialists. So I will often give people, you know, a short polite respectful list of questions to go in with to make sure we understand and with a lot of doctors and this is a very exciting prospect for me more and more of them are willing to have a conversation with me so i'll ask the patient is it okay if my trainer my coach reaches out what's the bet how would you prefer to be contacted you know do you want an email do you want a phone call do you like let me know how you want them to get in touch so that we can make sure we're on the same page Na- like helping them navigate this healthcare system, we're on the same team because you don't want this patient in your in your uh, office again six weeks with the same complaint. You're already too busy. If you have someone you can refer out to who can solve this problem, make sure they don't come back with it. One hundred percent of doctors I've talked to are like, "Of course, I would. If I had people like that, I would only send people there. Why would I do anything else?"
0: Cool. I love the love the way that you're speaking about collaborating. And working up and down Uh, but also what stood out for me there is you know keeping to what you do best and as you said in South Africa it's exactly the same our medical care system is totally totally overtaxed um, in terms of time constraints on the medical personnel and yeah totally, totally agree with what you're saying. Let's look at the logistics of working with Justin. And let's start first of all, who benefits most from working with you?
1: The people who benefit most from working with me have had a significant setback, and have not been able to solve it yet. I am, I am not great for beginner fitness. Other people will do that better, especially if you need to be seen in person. I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So unless you're very close by, we're not doing it in person. Uh, typically, there are people who have been living some kind of an active life, maybe significantly in the gym, maybe not, but they've been active. Something has happened. Injury, setback, sometimes a performance plateau. They, they used to be able to perform at this level and suddenly they can't anymore and they don't understand why. And they've tried other things. They've gone to a physical therapist. They've bought template programs online, they've tried this coach or that coach, and it hasn't quite worked out, those people are typically really primed to have a professional who cares focus on them entirely and build that custom one-on-one program for them.
0: Cool. And in terms of logistics, Justin, what does it entail working with you?
1: It's entirely online. So we will meet face-to-face on a pretty regular basis, like over a Zoom kind of meeting, but most of it is time-shifted. So I will meet with a person, they will fill out a pretty significant questionnaire, and then we will meet in person so I can talk and honestly make sure they're a really good fit. It requires a lot more. And I think anyone who's a coach out there, I, I, if you are creating real change for people, I think the requirement to work with you should be a lot more than a person who has a heartbeat and a credit card. I think that should not be sufficient to get on your roles personally. It isn't for me because not everyone's a good fit. And it's really important that I weed out people who aren't a good fit and Then I make it my job to refer them to someone who I think is a good fit, someone else in my network, someone who does a a better job of the thing they're looking for or the thing that will serve them best. If we determine they're a good fit, we get them on board. There's a significant assessment process, but I send them workouts through an app uh, with demonstration videos, lots of notes. There's text messaging built into the app. It's a very robust communication system. They do it on their own time, often take some videos, report what they did, how it felt and we adjust day-to-day, week-to-week from there. So I'm not in-person doing it in real time with them. Uh, the few people who do that, it's just usually far too expensive for most people, but that slightly time-shifted delivery where I can still adjust things day-to-day, week-to-week, and we can be in communication. Now, if we're doing it time-shifted remote, we can do four, five, six days a week potentially uh, at something that's you know a little more accessible for most people and still get an amazing amount of work done.
0: I love the fact that you're using an app. Uh, I think it's, it, it it saves a lot of time. it makes it asynchronous. So you know the client can work on their own and then you can, be, can go back and forth and collaborate on that. In terms of concerns what prospects have, how are you? what is the main objection? What's the main big question before they say, okay, I'm going to, to work with Justin?
1: A lot of times the big question is accountability. And it's one of the reasons people will show up and also one of the concerns that they have is will they be able to do it? In order for someone to believe that the thing you're selling them, the thing you provide, your service is gonna work, there's four things that they have to trust. They have to trust you as a person, which is why I always have a face-to-face meeting with someone you know, and attempt to hopefully what I'm doing here to some degree, like demonstrate some credibility. Like you believe in what I'm saying or you don't, but it's if you don't, there's no way this is gonna work. They have to believe in the business. In this case, the business is me, but I have a roster of clients and I can send people testimonials and send them to other people and show them that this business does work. They have to believe in the process, which we will lay out for them. This is what's going to happen. You start here, this is your assessment. This is how we build your program. This is when and how we change things. This is what we expect to see. And it's really important they understand how it's going to work. There's a lot of education in this. Not just that they're getting workouts, but why it's going to work. But the fourth part is they have to believe that they can actually execute on it. And if that's not true, the whole thing falls apart, which is why this this doing it asynchronously, as you said, can be really useful because they will do a workout and report it. And a couple of hours later, I'm already there commenting, making notes, or they don't. I'm there the next morning saying, hey, I noticed we, like, we didn't do Monday and we always do Monday not in a bully way. I'm not angry. But I notice it's not I'm not emailing 12 weeks of work and saying, Mm. let me know how it goes. It is daily check ins, making sure that everything is still on track. And if it's not figuring out why and we change things.
0: Mm. I love it. It's very pragmatic. And I can really have a sense that it's definitely going to work. And I love the fact that you've put those four things in there, because it's so, so important, even for all my wellness business listening to this, all of us are coaches, working with specific things. And it's spot on for every single one of us. Justin, let's wrap this up. You have a feel strong newsletter. Tell us more about that.
1: Feel strong newsletter I found started honestly, on a whim, I know a newsletter is sort of the first thing a lot of people start with, I came to it relatively late. But I found it a great way to provide more education to active clients and people, you know, potential leads. So I try and cram as much value as I can in it. And some of what we've been talking about and going over like main educational pieces, if this is happening, here's what you do. I think a really important part of being a good coach is not protecting your methods or acting like it's all a big secret. I try and give away my best stuff on a very regular basis because I believe the magic is in the implementation. The magic is exactly how you put this together. And when is the right time to do this? When's the right time to pull back? And that requires a lot of experience and education and to some degree, a coach's eye. So telling people these things, this is how you can recognize when you're reaching your capacity. This is what's going to cause your injury. This is how you can think about your irritation or injury a little bit differently. And I try and just pack the newsletter full of that stuff. And I've gotten... 100% 100% good responses, as well as a number of new clients out of
0: it. Oh, that's awesome to hear. I'm also a firm believer in the power of, of newsletters uh, and also a firm believer in sharing everything that you know, because as, as you said, Justin, it's all in the implementation. Uh, and I can't help everybody with implementation the same of you. So for those that I can't help, I'd rather just give them the information and share it with them so that they can go and figure it out themselves if they want to. Where can our listeners connect with you? What's your favorite social media coffee shop?
1: Instagram is really where I hang out, at Feel Fit, I am super responsive. If you message me, I, you will hear back from me 100% of the time.
0: I'll share that in the in show notes as well. Any final words of advice for us?
1: If you are having a setback, if you have reached a point where you feel like you can no longer do the things you used to do it's very unlikely that that's true uh reach out we will have a chat you don't have to buy anything i will explain exactly how it would work to get you out of pain to get you through these setbacks so you can live this fulfilling life that you are missing and that that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it right there like there's way more that you can do things that you don't believe are possible are absolutely possible
0: that's good Justin, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your passion with us. I wish you only the very, very best and may your business grow and prosper beyond your wildest dreams.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been a joy.
0: Oh, it's been awesome having you. And there you have it, my dear wellness friends. Another badass episode packed with ideas and inspiration to help you on your quest to also become the chief maker and the go-to expert in your field head Justin's newsletter and connect with him on Instagram. As I've said, I'll post those links into the show notes and you can catch up there. And please make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you are listening right now. It's super easy on all the platforms and it really helps me a ton. You blessed my dear wellness friend. Go and make it rain in the lives of those you want to impact. Stay safe and I'm looking forward to seeing you again in the next episode. If you would also like to tap into the unlimited power of podcast guesting to expand your reach and to get new leads and clients, tap the link in the episode description and download the free profitable podcast guesting checklist collection.